Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to our first draft video, our first first draft video that isn't me. Um, we've got plenty more of these plans sort of over pre-season to get a sense of what um, our top managers are thinking and we've also got Luke as well. How are you Luke? <laughs> love that, love that go. little shade thrown in to the end, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, yeah, I'm good mate, apart from being absolutely roasting because mm. it's like 900 degrees, um, so yeah, this won't be the best in terms of mindset and focus because my attention will be towards my window which is closed because there's so much sound going out same for you right there's like people digging outside and all sorts yeah as I've, usual. Got, I've got i've got a guy drilling uh next door to me so uh, <laughs> I've, I've closed my window but i've had to open it because i am literally too hot so if you do hear any drilling in the background then uh, my apologies um but yeah how you doing are you, you enjoying kind of the time off pre-season getting back into the swing of it now yeah Definitely. It's, it's usually my favorite time of the year. I've been working a lot recently, so I've not had um, as much time as possible. But I think when, when FPL launched, and I think it's been well documented that the pricing um, and sort of the focus on, say, the top six sides has made it a little bit easier to, I don't know, just put a team in that you're quite happy with. I don't know if anyone else feels the same. And then I've not really done much with it since. I'm thinking, usually in the past, I've, I've literally tinkered like every day and messed around. Mm. Whereas at the moment, I'm thinking, you know, I'm pretty happy with that side. It looks okay. And then obviously just get the, the most up-to-date information as we get closer. So I haven't really been seeing through much. Just been focusing on work, but obviously taking all the stuff in as it comes. But it's still really early days. And we've barely had any friendlies or anything, have we? Not that we necessarily take much from the friendlies. But I think in terms of the way the team sets up and um, potential minutes for players, uh, you know, what what's their conditioning like going into the season is quite important because we've seen it nearly every year that, you almost got like your ideal team in your head and then there's a team you can actually pick because loads of people have been on either international duties mm. or are not quite ready for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, pr pretty happy and looking forward to tinkering as we move forward because obviously my team's not going to stay exactly as it is at the moment. Um, well, it may do, but uh, I don't like to be right with all the new information that comes and there's still plenty of signings as well, I assume. Yep. Well, hopefully United will start signing some players as well. Let's give us a few more options there. I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one because the, the pool of players seems smaller than... I can remember in previous seasons, whether that's to do with, you know, there being such good options in, in you know, Haaland and Salah and a lot of the other premiums just being a little bit too out of range, like Son and Kane and these guys, like it's hard to go against Haaland and, and Salah, for example. Then you've got all the amazing budget options at the back as well. I don't know, there's, there, there is a really strong template form. There always is a strong template formed, but this season it, it feels like there's an even stronger one, particularly these this early stages. And I wonder how much that's going to change between now and, and the start of the season. Like you say, we're going to probably see some new signings, some kind of 
players emerge from pre-season. But do you think like kind of big at the back, which a lot of people are going and Salah and Haaland, it's probably not going to change that much, right? I wouldn't have thought it would change that much, no. Um, sort of more the edge pieces more than anything. Um, the template's there because you, know, you don't need any content or, or anything like that. If you've, if you've played FPL for just a little while, you can just log in and I can guarantee if anyone made the, aside from the auto-fix team just to get a, a low ID, they probably went straight back into it and changed their team, maybe even not looking at fixtures, but they just put a team together that they liked. And I imagine it probably doesn't look too similar to what the template would, just because the prices of, like I say, some of these top six sides are just, they just seem quite fair or not fair. What's the opposite of fair? Unfair. Um, very e <laughs> un unfair. That's, well done. See, I told you my brain wasn't working. They just seem a little bit unfair in terms of what you can get for your money. And especially at the back, we know that those players have done very, very well recently. Um, does anyone envisage the decline of Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example? If anything, given his age profile, you think it would go the other way, right? So it, it it's very strong looking and it doesn't look like much can change it. But there's a reason. I don't think you have to be you know, angry or... Or try to go away from it just to be different. These players um, are probably, at least on paper, the best players. Now, obviously, once the season starts and we get to see all the moving pieces, things can change. But it doesn't stop the fact that before a ball is kicked, you know, the template looks very strong, and it's the same template most of us would have probably come to of our own accord anyway. So forget all this effective ownership, ownership, whoever, what everyone else is doing, trying to beat everyone else. We're just trying to pick the best team we can possibly pick, and I bet they will look quite similar because there's some very clear options. You mentioned some of them, Salah, Harlan, Trent. I mean, they just, right now, with the information we have, they just look exceptional. So mm -hmm. they're going to be in most teams, unfortunately. That's just the way it is. Yep. Interesting season coming uh, for you, because last season we saw this kind of bit of a, bit of a transition on the Luke kind of style of, of managing. We saw you, uh, historically, you've been known as this kind of maverick manager. He'll stick a player in, he'll captain a... I mean, not, let's not, I don't want to undersell you. You don't captain like random players, but you've always been someone not afraid to go against the herds. Always someone who's known in the community as being someone a bit, a bit wild should we say? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, but you're, you've got a new podcast coming next year, which is looking at kind of uh, much more stats focus. You've been getting into models uh, and you've been looking at stats um, as well. Uh, <laughs> do you want to just talk a bit about, talk a bit about that? Those days are well behind me, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just that in recent years, I mean, I, I have a focus on other games as well, right? And, and with FPL, it's quite tricky because in those other games, you actually have, a chance of winning them or doing very well and in fpl of course you do have a chance of winning it it's just incredibly slim um as the prizes have been slightly less as well my focus has always been okay i'll have a bit more fun in fpl essentially and by fun like you said i don't think it being crazy it's more just you know if i wasn't happy with my team i'm happy to take the hits you know probably wasn't optimal to do it and i take a lot more hits than than i would advise anyone else to do with the captains, I don't think I've ever done anything too crazy with that, to be honest. I will, you know, if you look back at my last season, I've captained Salah probably more times than most people. Um, it's just when someone like Cancelo or Trent has a good game, I'm more open than most to give it a go. And to be honest, I've hit quite a lot of success with that and with James and Chilwell. Um, and I think that's the thing that's differentiated a little, a little bit from people is I'm happy to put the captain on a player like Cancelo home to Watford or something like that. Um, and I don't think it's the worst idea. And I think the models will suggest that as well. So I don't, I won't be changing that necessarily this season. You know, if I think Cancelo is going to do better than Salah on that particular week and they're both close, then I'm happy to do so. Um, 
but it's more just about trying to play in a way that limits hits really and um, focuses on the, the one transfer a week or saving a transfer and just trying to play to get a high rank essentially and it's kind of boring but that's that's the way that FPL has gone for many many years right where people just play in a kind of a template or, or obvious way you interview any of the top managers and they tell you it's all about patience slow play not taking hits we know all these rules right it's just very hard but you for love hits got... Luke you love I, them I know I'm not <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that part trying to limit that part of my game I'll be honest with you but um yeah it's generally the way to play I mean there'll be people in here who watching this have seen it who have taken hits and it has been successful the same for me quite often i'll take it and it will actually be successful um but it doesn't mean that because it works that week that it is the optimal play right i think over the course of many many game weeks it's probably not the play so just trying to limit it really and i'm looking forward to trying this say new style the style that i should have really been um, applying in mm. these years was inspected goals that's the name of the podcast you're recording your first episode on thursday uh, at 8 p.m. So anyone interested in that, check that out at Inspected Goals on Twitter, um, and also follow Luke uh, at ffscout underscore Luke as well. And without further ado, let's get into your game week one first draft. So here we go. This is your first draft. Five at the back: uh, Ramsdale in goal, Cancelo, Trent, James, Kukurea. Interesting. Uh, Perisic, uh, Martinelli, Salah, Luis Diaz. Uh, Jesus and Haaland. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of these drafts with with five at the back. That seems to be where the kind of value is uh, this season. Although a few people were a bit worried about, you know, um, five at the back kind of, it's not the most flexible formation, is it? If a, if a strong midfielder does emerge or, or another forward um, does come out, it can be hard to move that money kind of out the back because they're a little bit less and, and things like that. How are you feeling about five in the back? Are you are you tempted by four? I mean, we've got Neko Williams now at, at four million, uh, a kind of budget option, and some good 4.5s, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it'll almost certainly be five or four. I can't really see that changing. Um, I think the main argument for having four is is really to have that first bench option, which is cheap and is going to play. Like you said, there's some cheaper four millions and even 4.5s from, say, Arsenal or Brighton that you could put, even if they're not in your starting lineup as your first bench. And then Given, I mean, if people can see that team there on the screen, there's lots of players there that may not play each week, right? That's that's the main risk with this draft. I think it looks really good. Obviously, Cucurella's there if he goes to Man City. I wouldn't have him um, at Brighton, I don't think, despite their fixtures being very good. I'd probably look at Duncan instead. But um, when you've got players from Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, some of the best squads in the league, um, you've always got to expect that one of your players might not turn up in the league. I know it's different. In terms of we've got five subs, so you've got more chance of their appearing, but it still doesn't mean that their minutes can't be limited as a result and getting an 11 minute cameo from the player or whatever, which is an ideal one as a one pointer. So, the biggest issue I've got with this draft really is that if any given week any of my players don't play, which is, is very possible, the bench is obviously rope, rope thin. It is very, um, very rope, just Pereira really has just, just moved it, to Fulham. Exactly. So, if I was to change to a four at the back and have you know, my first player, um, you know, done for whoever from Ben White and whoever from Arsenal, then instantly I've got a little bit of security there. So yeah, it may change to may change to forward and back. The only other person for my defence really that I'm strongly considering, uh, two really, Robertson, obviously everyone's considering him, I think. And then Chilwell as well, who's not there. Um, I could easily change one of those guys into Chilwell. Obviously if Cucurella doesn't move to Man City, then there's another thing for me to look at as well. So apart from that, I can't really see me not going without Cancelo, Trent, James. I think those three are pretty nailed. Maybe if I drop the keeper to a 4.5, I can put Perisic to Chilwell. That's on my mind. So 
yeah, fairly set on the forward of either of them. Yeah, I mean, a few things to kind of unpick there. I mean, firstly, um, with, with the bench, I mean, how are you seeing this kind of new five-sub rule coming in? Because in some ways, you know, it, it almost means that the bench maybe is less important because you'd expect players who, who don't start to, you know, to, to probably come on, you know, like first-team players. I think with wing-backs as well, it's such a kind of demanding position. We're going to see, you know, um, Conte rotating. More teams are playing with wing-backs now, giving maybe giving more rest to those kind of full-backs. Someone like Robertson, are we going to see Simakas playing a little bit more now that he can come on and we know he's good and can kind of give give him a breather? Um, yeah, so do you think that kind of means that we can go with a lighter bench or, or do you still think having, you know... I mean, you've got Pereira. I mean, he's your best bench option and, and no one else. That's the problem with five at the back, right? Because the 4.5 defenders are so much better than the 4.5 midfielders and the 4.5 forwards like Archer aren't even factors at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I I think looking at that bench right now, that will probably change because we'll have more information he's more likely to play. Um, but I do think that a 4.5 midfielder can be as good as a 4.5 defender. It just depends you know, whether they get into the first eleven. Um, and start playing regularly. Like it's happened nearly every season that a cheap midfielder will become, you know, pretty decent, at least as a first bench option, if nothing else. So I'm not too worried about that. I, I just think you've already touched on it there that hopefully the players are going to just come on and make the bench not as necessary, especially early on, you know, build some value. Maybe you can make the bench a little bit. I think most of us are going to be wildcarding fairly early, given the fact that we're, um, the, the way it's just set up now to have this wildcard um, at the World Cup. Um, you know, it just makes sense to, maybe focus on the first six to eight weeks where you can generate, put all your money in your 11, really, you know, and um, if you have got a half-decent bench option, yeah, you may come on for an extra two points, but is that is that enough to then not focus on your 11 when you can sort of build the squad and then, you know, wildcard maybe game week eight and then maybe have a slightly stronger bench just for the next eight weeks? That's kind of the argument I've got for it. I do I do take on board that it's more likely the players like Perisic may be subbed off in a, you know, a hard system like that, and therefore you might be getting one-pointers. Yes, but you also could potentially be hitting massive balls with them as well. So I think it's just about mindset. Can you tolerate those occasional one pointers if he's going to get a 15 point out the week afterwards or, or whatever? So he's one that I am slightly ropey on, but I, th I don't think it's a massive issue, to be honest with you. Um, I can't see the likes of Cancelo and Trent being taken very off very often. They're just too good. Their engines are too good. You know, James has obviously been managed in the past with an injury. Um, you know, if he's not injured, is there any reason to be taking him off? Not, not really sure about that one either because they don't even seem to have much of a right wing back or right back at Chelsea at the moment, especially Vasco Aquatico. So, yeah, it's, it's more just Perisic in that lineup that I'd be worried about more than anyone else. But I think the upside there, where I'm prepared to at least risk it unless any more information comes in that, you know, Conte's not happy to, to chance him for, for huge amounts of time. But he's a fit guy. He played a lot, of, he played a lot last season, actually, I think. And um, yes, it's a different league, but. I think he's a step mm. up for the players they've got quite significantly. I think it's the five sub thing I think people are making a big deal of. I mean, just because managers have the option to use five subs doesn't mean they're always going to. I mean, changing half your team that. in a match is a pretty big thing to, to do, right? If you're winning a game 1-0 or 2-0, you're not going to make five subs and take off all, all, your, all the players that have been doing so well for you in that game. Um, you know, you might see more changes for for, play, for teams that are struggling in a game. You know, and players not performing well. But realistically, I think it's it's not it's not really going to be as big an issue as as what some people are thinking. I, th I mean, we've seen it before. We saw it a few seasons ago, didn't we? When when coronavirus first hit, and I don't remember completely changing my strategy on players I was bringing in 
just because there was more subs to use. So I think absolutely, per- yeah. I think Perisic is, is risky because of his age, because of the demands of the system, and all this kind of thing. I don't necessarily think that five subs makes a huge amount of difference. I think he would have been a risk even if there was three. Uh, uh, yeah, hundred percent. You're right. You don't need to use a sub for the sake of it. The managers will use the sub if they think there's a tactical reason to use the sub, or the person is exhausted. Um, and yeah, in the first couple of weeks, while everyone's getting up to full fitness, maybe. But I think once you get sort of three weeks in, four weeks in, all the team's fitness levels start to converge to the to the level that they should yeah. be. Um, and we haven't really got as much in the way of other competitions at that point as well. So I don't think they use them just for the sake of I've got five subs, let's let's use them. Um, what are you managing? You want your best players on the team to give you a chance, you know, the team the best chance of winning the game. So I, I agree with that. It might become more of a factor later on when you've got some of the other competitions and tired squads and stuff like that. And fair enough. Right, right at the beginning maybe, but just after two or three weeks, I think it will start to settle and you won't see too many. And people like Pep often don't use a single sub in the game. Um, mm. but he's happy with what he's seeing. So just because there's five now doesn't mean he has to use them. Yep. Um, I mean, your team is 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 very template, I think, in terms of there's a lot of players here I'm seeing a lot. Cancelo, Trent, James, Perisic is quite a few. Marcelli's popular because he's cheap. Salah, Jesus, Haaland, all these kind of guys. I mean, your, your kind of most interesting players, I think, are, are Kukurea, who's... I would say whether he stays at, at Brighton, he's too expensive and so not really an option, or whether he moves to City, how's that going to work with Cancelo and Walker there? Is he really an option there? I mean, you obviously got him in in the hope that he moves to City. You're the City kind of lineup guru these days. You think he plays enough minutes to, to not have to worry about it if he does move? I think so. Um, again, I don't. no one knows at this point, right? We'll have to see. There could be the indication that he's bedding in and he won't start. And at that point, obviously, he won't be an option for them to take him straight out. But right now, this is almost the draft of if everything I hope happens is going to happen, this is what the draft would look like. So um, I just think as a left-footed left-back, and you know from supporting Brighton, he is an extremely good player. He can go outside, he can go inside, he can even cover at centre-back. Just an all-round, he seems like the perfect uh, pet player, to be honest with you. Uh, and adapt to all the different systems. The fact that he's left-footed, I think, really aids them because they've had Cancelo at left-back with his right foot. Um, although he has been exceptional there, it obviously changed the shape of the play quite a lot, especially when you consider who's going to be his left side and forward. Um, now we've got Haaland, you would expect that Foden or Greenwich will play there, one's left-footed, one's right-footed, and that changes the way they approach the, the game as well. So I think he doesn't really like to have two right-footed players on the left-hand side because as you can imagine that narrows the pitch especially when you've got someone like Harland up front where you would have thought he's more going to thrive on players going outside right and fighting back rather than fighting inside and shooting you know it's more feeding Harland than it is you know enabling the inside forwards like say for medium does for, for Liverpool so I think Cucurella being left-footed is a, is a massive benefit and if he comes in um, it's not like you know everyone takes time to adapt, especially to Pep's system. But we're talking about a player came from another country, slipped into Brighton and looked like he played there his whole life straight away to a different country, system, everything, you know. So I think if there's any player who could adapt pretty quickly to Pep's system, it's probably him. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that. Because we, I think of all the players we have in our side at the moment, losing Basuma was, was a pretty big one, but we kind of braced ourselves for that because he had a year left on his contract and then had been attracted interest from clubs for, for ages. But Kukurea is such an important player for us. Like he's arguably our most important player at the moment. And you know we're, we've offered him a new contract. Um, Bloom's come out and said that he hasn't received a bid for him yet. 
they're going to need to offer like 45, 50 million, I think, to price him. He's got four years left on his contract. He's our best player. We don't sell players. I mean, look at Ben White going for, you know, 50 million to, to Arsenal. So if City want him, they're going to have to come in hard for him. And it's interesting they haven't really done that yet. Like the rumours have been swirling for, you know, basically since the season ended, but we haven't seen that bid come in yet. So... Yeah, I really don't want him to go. I really, really, really don't want him to leave. I think you're completely right. I think if you're if you're picking a you know a perfect player that, that City need, given they're losing the fullbacks, the energy that he could bring down that left hand side, the fact he can play in those different positions, he is the perfect signing. But are they going to spend another fifty million, taking them to what nearly two hundred million pounds spent on players? I mean, they could do, but I don't know. Who knows? I'm quietly Maybe. optimistic that we keep him <laughs> for yeah, one more season. Maybe I think that with Man City, they kind of it's down to the player at the end of the day, the player power, isn't it? And if he, if Man City come calling, he probably wants to go to Man City, no offense. So it's kind of like that one where they probably let it stew for a really while. Be offended at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, let, let him cause some angst from inside the club, and then they, they obviously don't want to bid yeah. too high straight away. Yeah. One of those ones, maybe, but who knows? Who knows on that? Like, if he's, if he's not there, then I think that first that spot will probably look to become sure well, which means they'll have to find money somewhere else. But um, for now, he's in. Yep. Let's talk about goalkeeper, Ramsdale. Interesting. He was, you. Ha- I mean, you hated him last season. I can't believe Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I can't believe you've got him in in, uh, in your first draft. I mean, you're, you're paying a bit more for him. You're paying five million. Obviously, sort of confident in Arsenal's opening fixtures because you've got three Arsenal in your side. What do you think of five million for Ramsdale? Because he, he's not a goalkeeper that I've really considered. A lot of people are going for Mendy, for example, at the same price. You've got the 4.5s like Raya, Melier, Sanchez even. I don't. You don't normally spend that much on a goalkeeper, do you? I'm surprised to see Ramsdale. No, there. I know. I never spend more than four point five. The the thing with this lineup is I I didn't really have any use for the point five with this particular setup. Now, if the Cuperella thing doesn't happen, or I do decide to change Perisic to Chilwell because I'm worried about the, the cameo roles, then that's where that that's going to change straight away. I mean, that's just because I have the money left over. I think Ramsdale and Mendy are pretty good value, especially. I talked about at the beginning, we're only playing for sort of six, eight weeks before we wildcard. It's not like I need to pick a five million goalkeeper for the whole season. You know, I can just have Ramsdale because Arsenal's fixtures are pretty good for those seven or eight weeks. Um, and at the moment, I like them slightly more than Mendy, just the games to begin with. So that's why he's in. But I'm not precious about that at all. That'll be straight down for Raya or Sanchez, the second. Mm. Um, I need to find some money. It's literally just in there because I have nowhere else to spend it. I could, I could change one of my bench options, put an extra 0.5 on them as well um but yeah it, it looked good to have three arsenal three city if Cucurella goes there and three liverpool so that's why he's in my team and then yeah interesting because i mean that that is another thing i was going to say that that is probably going hard on those three kind of teams and i'm guessing they're, they're the teams right at the top of the ticker for for the fixtures i mean you haven't got you've got perisic there no no son or kane it's it's hard it's hard i mean kulazewski as well i mean let's talk about diaz for example i mean i did a video yesterday um looking at the eight million uh, midfield options so diaz mount uh, Kulusevski. I came to the same conclusion as you in the end. Spoilers if you haven't seen that video. Um, Diaz probably is my favourite of, of all of those kind of seven. I mean, to have seven decent eight million options is something that we haven't yeah. really. Well, six of Mares uh, isn't really something that we've seen uh, too much before. Um, you've gone for Diaz as well. Is that just to kind of give you that that structure in in that slot so you could move between those, or do you just like Diaz and just think he's underpriced? Um, yeah, I'm not as high on, on Diaz as everyone else seems to be, just because I think Liverpool now, with all the signings they've made, I know some people have gone, um, Mane. Um, I do think there'll be more rotation with, with Liverpool's front line than we've seen in previous years, because they've just got more of an option than you know, previously. They've got 
you know, on his last leg, Shakir and people like that. And now they've actually got genuine options. Um, it's more that Liverpool's fixtures are great. They're one of the best attacking sides. And um, of all the options, I think he's probably, he's good enough where he can, he can cope even if he is coming off, you know, 70 minutes versus Bolivar Diaz versus 90 minutes of one of the other options. I don't think there's much mm. in it. Um, that could easily be Foden. Again, this depends a lot on the Cucurella. I do actually like Foden a lot as well, um, to begin with. The pictures are just so good. You know, but I know people weren't, you, you were talking as well, some other people weren't overly keen on Foden. But again, we're doing it for eight weeks. Man City's lineup looks great. And now we've got Haaland up top. Where do you think he plays, Foden? Well, it's still up in the air at the moment. But I, the bottom line is I think Pep will find a place for him. I can't see him not playing him after than, than not. I mean, if, given the squad, he's going to occasionally not play the same as last season. But it's either going to be left wing or right wing, isn't it? Presumably, if he keeps the same system. I don't see the system necessarily changing unless... You know, he uses Phillips and Rodri, but that's more in the centre areas. It doesn't change the fact that we'll have two wide players either side of Harland, I would imagine. I can't envision that changing. So it's going to be on the left or the right. So it's really, is it, is it in place of Mahrez or is it in place of, say, Grealish? Um, because those are the only other two wide options they've really got at the moment. Like, you can put Silver there, you can put Alvarez there, but... Because um, that's what, that's what I think like is interesting. He, he hasn't really... He doesn't seem to have full faith in either Mahrez in the Premier League. Like he was playing in the Champions League last season, barely played in the... Even when they got knocked out of the Champions League, he was barely featuring. And then he lost faith in Grealish as well, sort of towards the end of the season, on the left too. So it's almost like Foden could be first choice on either one of those sides that he chooses to play him on. I think I read somewhere that he, he wants to play on the right. Foden said he, he, prefer, or he feels more this. comfortable on the right. I'm I've seen this and he has had some exceptional performances there. I think if, even if you think back, I think versus Atletico when he came on, he was actually a bench for the first leg, he was on the bench, which was a massive surprise. He came on and just did a piece of like wonder play on the right wing and created a goal for nothing. Um, so he can definitely play there. Obviously, cutting in on his left foot and stuff, you'd like to think you know, he'd get more shots of goal in that scenario as well. Um, does that help Harland? Questionable. Mm. I, I think as well with Haaland, you're going to see that he might get managed a little bit. I mean, there's no, it's not, I don't think it's going to be the Harry Kane situation where he's going to be 90 minutes every game, um, given his injury record, especially at the very beginning. So who's going to go and play directly up front when Haaland comes off? I don't think Alvarez is going to be directly ready yet. You know, you, you'd think there'd be an adaptation period there. So who's he used as false nine quite often? Well, it's Foden. So I imagine Foden might start games on the wing and might end them as the false nine. Um, and he can start across all three positions. But so you know what Pep's like, horses for courses, depends on the fixture. Does he want Foden on the left this game? Does he want him on the right? It's going to switch around. All I know is Foden's going to you know, get significant minutes, I would have thought, especially in the first day. You are so going to start with Foden. You love Foden. <laughs> well, it's, it's, if I've got Cucurella, I've got no room for him. It's Cancelo and Harlan are pretty oh, much a lot. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, so that, that's the issue I've got. But I could switch that around, have Foden, and maybe look at Robertson, but then suddenly I've got to find money mm. from somewhere. So it's tough. Yeah. Um, other problem I want to mention is Martinelli. Uh, we talked a little bit about kind of rotation and risks and, and things like that. Martinelli's he's fourteen percent owned overall, but he's the kind of the, the it's Bruno Gamirash who's the more popular kind of general player. Um, my boy, he's, I think it's like thirty percent ownership or thirty five percent ownership, something like that. Um, obviously, he's got the minutes. He's going to play. Um, we're not sure where he's going to play. Depends on kind of more, more, a few more signings that Newcastle are going to make. Hopefully, he plays at the kind of tip of that three, but he might end up in a more deeper role because he's versatile like that. Um, Martin is the more kind of attacking option genuinely worried about his minutes though I mean Smith Rowe there again the five sub rule I don't really know what that means for him he could be on penalties there's a, there's a very he's, he's, he seems to me a very high risk high reward player which is 
kind of all right at six million, right? Exactly that. I think it's one of those ones, damned if you do, damned if you don't. It feels like if you don't go with Martinelli and you look at those fixtures, given his price, how attacking he can be, his underlying numbers in past seasons, they weren't as good last season, but have been very, very high. And I think he's still potentially on penalties the way it's set up. I mean, Saka took one, but then Martinelli took the most recent one, and Martinelli took the one before that, I think, as well. Um, suddenly you think, well, I'm crazy not to play this player with those fixtures in that advanced position on penalties at that price, right? Suddenly it looks too good to be true, but that's because of the minute situation. I do think him and Smith Rowe will rotate. I don't think he's going to play every game, but I think what we've seen with Arteta is whoever's actually playing well, um, he's kind of often kept them in. And then he's happy to just bring, like we saw with Smith Rowe, bring him off the bench for the last 20 and if they score, it, you know, he's, happy, he's fine with that. He doesn't really doesn't really matter necessarily that they're not getting as many minutes when you compare it to other players. So Martinelli at that price, and we look at the other, you mentioned Bruno Gamero's there. Would I rather have Martinelli for 20, 30 minutes if that's the situation? Than, than I still think I'd probably with Martinelli given those games. And again, it's only for like seven, eight weeks. So he could easily change, and I am worried about that spot. And that he's the main one, I think, out of all my players there where I'd worry just about starts. I think most of the others are, are looking probably pretty good for starts most week. But Martinelli... Yeah, it's, um, it's very much up in the air. There's obviously uh, some options below that. Neto is highly talked about. I was well, going to use my next, my next comment. The, this is the only draft I've seen that doesn't have Neto in. <laughs> yeah. I like Neto. I, mean, I know, I know you are, do. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a great player. Um, and I'm not averse to sticking him in. Um, so that, that might be where I generate the money from if I need to. Uh, fixtures are good for Neto. Cheap price, potentially playing up front. People can laugh at it in terms of balls not being good, and there's other options there. But you know, 5.5 million, you probably only need one return every sort of three to four weeks, and it's what it enables elsewhere. So, as long as we can manage that, we're great. And it's more about his potential, I think. You know, with the injury, it's hard to say whether we'll be able to get back to the same and continue. But the, the signs were certainly there before the injury that he was going to go on to be mm. a really, really good player. So, it's more in faith that you know that starts to happen again. 5.5 million. Really matter, His underlying numbers are fantastic from from last season. You know when Wolves were struggling and you know he just got back from injury. I mean he didn't he didn't really hit huge heights, but he was his underlying numbers were right up there. I think you know 0.67 expected goal involvement per night or something crazy like that, which puts him like you know if you've got an eight or nine million midfielder hitting those numbers, you'd be you'd be happy and probably expecting about 180 points. So. Not saying he can definitely carry that on. It's going to be interesting what happens to Wolves because they were rubbish <laughs> towards the end of last season. They were, and even attacking wise at the start of the season when they were picking up points and climbing up the league, they still weren't, you know, scoring lots of goals. So, yeah, I mean, I, the, my current drive, I've got two Wolves players in, for example, and that feels like quite a lot because we just don't really know what we're kind of going to get from them. But I don't really think you can go wrong with with Neto because if he's five five, he only needs to get you, you know, a goal every couple of games or you know, in a bonus or something like that, and. You, you, you know, you, that value is going to be difficult to get other than the defenders. Um, you know, Perisic, for example, is 5-5, five, five, but has that kind of slight sort of rotation risk. You'd have to go up to six. There's so many options at the six mark in terms of defence. 5-5 five, five is, is, is a good level for a midfielder, I think. Even at five for defenders, I mean, you've got Cash, Dean, Cucurello, like you mentioned. But yeah, I think Neto is, is an interesting one at 5-5. Five, five. So is Visser as well at Brentford. I like him uh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, final post to mention then is Gabriel Jesus. Be honest, have you been swayed by his two goals in pre-season? 
like everyone else. And I, I didn't see him in any teams until that. And he scored two goals in pre-season. Really? Twitter went crazy. And now he's in, he's like 50% owned or something on the game. Um, we, no, we, no, you, you, always, you always had your eye on him, did you? Um, I mean, I didn't even, I knew about the two goals just because it's all over Twitter, but he was in my team before that. It's more just the fact that he's priced so kindly with those opening fixtures. Again, I'm not sure we've had Ezus in our league for quite a while now and he's been playing for a better team. And now it's quite funny to me that he goes to, you know, objectively a worse side and now everyone wants him in their team. Mm. Um, it's, it, it is the price is very friendly with those fixtures and you have to imagine with Jesus it's always been an issue with minutes and even position right you'd like to think he is the number nine for Arsenal and he's going to play a significant amount of minutes so I'm not overly keen about spending huge amounts of money up front and I've ended up with Harland and Jesus which is more money than I ended up spending at the beginning of the season without a doubt so I'm not adverse to changing Jesus to you know, someone like Tony or, or whoever else at a slightly cheaper price if I need the money but it's more just the fact that Arsenal's came to him. And I think he is a decent player. Um, he has underperformed on his on his uh, stats. You know, he's always got high expected goal involvement, but then seems to score a little bit less. Um, but yeah, it's just a very, very fine price. I mean, he's even argued that maybe he gets penalties. Um, I don't think that's necessary now. I don't think Saka's the most confident at taking, and Martin is not always on the pitch, as he has taken for Man City multiple times before. Um, you know, he comes with a reputation as well. He likes to, he's certainly a confident boy. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just claims them as well. Um, so yeah, I just think he's a, he's a decent I mean, can, everyone, Everyone's got him for a reason. I think he's, yeah. he's pretty good. I, I can already see Gabriel Jesus ruining my season because I'm looking, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at his ownership of 54.2% overall on FPL. I'm looking at Arsenal's fixtures, but I'm just not completely sold on him. I, I never really liked him as, as an FP option at City. Remember there was that whole thing about, well, when Aguero is injured, you get Jesus, and when Jesus is injured, you get Aguero and all that. I never really bought into that. I mean, he got 14 goals in 2019-20, which is you know a great return. Um, under 10 goals in the last two seasons. And that's with really, really good underlying stats. You've got to think, I mean, Arsenal have got some good creative players. They've got Odegaard, they've got Saka, obviously. They've got Vieira coming in. I'm not sure if the quality of chances is necessarily going to be a lot worse, but Arsenal are going to struggle in more games than City did because they are, like you said, an objectively worse side. I guess the question is the fixtures are so good at the start of the season. I mean, you know, Palace away is, is tricky, then Leicester, Bournemouth, Fulham in those three. You, you've got to think he's, he's kind of going to hit the ground running there. But I look at the 8 million mids and I like the look of them. I like the look of someone like Sterling at Chelsea. I like the idea of, of going for, you know, expensive players in defence. Oh, he's, he's not. He's not. He's not been in any of my drafts yet, and I just feel like I'm going to go into the season without him and and pay the price instantly. But Palace away, come on, that's a tough game for from to start. <laughs> it's, it's a tough game. It's the, it's the pictures after. And look, look, Saka's the same price, right? So I, you know, I could have Saka instead, and then obviously switch around to have one up front and have a four point five million four. But that's that's the problem. It makes that spot even worse because there's no four point five, so it makes the the team suddenly even more broken. It's hard to hard to get that structure right. Um, I think there's also the fact that with Man City, he's often been the foil. You know, he, mm. they don't really play with a proper nine and he has played out wide to the right and he kind of enables everyone else to get involved. And that might not, you know, that might be the same at Arsenal, but I think it's less likely. I think we see from Enketia when he played up front towards the back end of last season, he did really, really well in that role. And he did great chances where the number nine is first big ball full on goal, which isn't a, isn't a common thing across all the teams anymore. So Jesus has got energy to burn. There's no issues around adaptation. Obviously worked with Arteta before. So it all makes sense, you know, but it's all on Jesus to actually show us that he 
he can actually do it. And, and yeah, it could be a flop. It might not be. It might, it might be really good. But I think it's worth starting with him given the fixtures. And um, yeah, I don't really see too many alternatives. It's like if I wanted to bring the money down and go for Tony, I kind of like that. I think the fixtures mm. are good. Obviously, he's done well last season ish. But Ericsson's left, and you think, mm, okay, only really came to the ball when Ericsson was, was playing. Well, I don't think Ericsson's left. Is Ericsson actually 100% left yet? I think he might have, but it certainly seems like he's moving. Well, um, he was he was all set. It looked like he was just joining United, right? But that's looked like it's died yeah. down a little bit, and now he's considering a, a contract from, from Brentford. So, okay. Well, that could change things again, yeah. potentially. Um, it, it's just because not necessarily Ericsson leaving means Tony's just going to be bad, but if Tony is going to play that more with more role than we saw previously, um, then that would worry me with him. And then you're starting to scrape the barrel, I think, from the forwards when you start going that. Mitrovic, I really, really like as well, but the fixtures are just yep. bad. So it's like, I'm not sure I can start there. I can see eventually that's where my money will go, but maybe not right in the very beginning. And then you'll add Undav uh, as well uh, for Brighton. Fixtures are great, got a decent record, obviously, for a much, much worse league. Um, I think with him, it's more if he's not starting, given pot or pension for rotating players, especially at the beginning, um, you're in trouble, right? Because there's not many other places to go. So again, that feels like one where it, my money could end up there, but maybe not right from the start, which is annoying because the pictures are so good. I'd rather the pictures were bad for Brian. We could see how he does and then maybe move to him later on if we need to. Um, so yeah, fair play if you take the risk and you go there, but I think it's just like I say, it's a few issues if he starts not playing games or whatever and takes a little while to bed in. I think pre season would be interesting. If 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 Undav, you know, comes in pre season, scores loads of goals for us, I think that, that spot is really kind of, you know, open. I think Welbeck if you look at Welbeck's numbers towards the end of the last season, he was an absolute machine. And, you know, he was playing regularly and we were winning games and stuff. And I feel like he's he's definitely got one of those two spots probably to start the season unless he gets another injury or something like that. And then it's who who starts alongside him. Is it going to be Mope? Are we going to see him coming back kind of semi from the cold? Are we going to see Trossard moving there again? He, he was playing at wing back, you know, at the end of last season. We're going to see him playing back up front. And then you've got Undav there um, as well. And then we've, we've signed another uh, young striker as well. So there's a, quite a few players sort of competing for that. I think if Undav comes in, has a strong pre-season, I think he'll be first choice. Um, beginning of the season, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a wait and see. There is there is one other player that I like is the, the Forest forward they've signed Tayo Awinoli, I think. I'm yep. not sure how you pronounce his surname, but um, his numbers are incredibly good from where he's come from. For me, it's similar to the Mitrovic thing. Mitrovic thing, these promoted sides they come up. Obviously, they've been in the sides, maybe not necessarily him, but where they've been dominating the ball or in the front foot for a lot of the time, and then suddenly they have to revert to not having the ball a lot. And it's how you push your players up the pitch. With a player like Mitrovic hasn't really got much pace. I feel I'm going to be able to dominate the ball high enough up, up the pitch to be able to give Mitrovic the supply so he can actually score the goals. You know, similar to Tony, who's all come up before, you know, playing for Forest up front, great numbers, but are Forest going to be able to get the ball you know, high enough up the pitch to actually provide him chances in the right area? Who knows, right? That's why there's always usually a drop-off. I do like him, though, his price and his, and his um, potential. So he's another one where I just think it makes sense to watch rather than go straight from the beginning. I'm always a fan of like if you've got a gut feel and you think that they're going to be a good option, the price is, is good enough in the position. I think you can get away with it towards where you can sort of chance one, and if you get lucky, then obviously you could be that could be the difference maker for fair, fair play. But the safe play is probably to take a watch in that. Model's not going to like that attitude, Luke. Going to have to get that out of your <laughs> out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Try and just. Where's that drill? I'm just going to straight through my head. <laughs> I don't think it hasn't been too bad, actually. So calm down a bit. Um, I'm going to call it there. That's uh, sort of 35 minutes. I bet you're roasting. I'm also roasting as well. It's been really good talking to you 
uh, pre-season as always. Like I said, if you're interested in, in uh, hearing more of Luke, check out Inspector Goals. Definitely Luke will be back on Black Box. Um, again, if you've seen him on there, two. Um, I had another question for you that I've completely forgotten. Um, can't have been that important. Or maybe it was really important, but can't remember it. Anyway, um, if you have enjoyed this video, do like uh, the video. Drop us a comment as well. Let us know what you think of Luke's team. Uh, do also subscribe uh, to Fantasy Football Scout on YouTube, where there'll be more um, of these videos coming. Uh, but Luke, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for coming.